Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack. And if you have listened thus far, you know that I am absolutely riddled with ADHD. It is just, you can't separate the two of us. We're just best friends walking through life, being distracted by everything that's going on, except for what we need to be focused on. That's why I'm doing this series on ADHD. I have had seven great interviews with adults who go through life ADHD and how they handle that. And one of my guests, Arlene, she not only has it, her children have it as well. So that was sort of interesting on how she handles uh, both of them. And today, though, I have on a guest who is a very proud mother of a son with ADHD. And I, I have watched her her son grow on, on the Book of Faces from when he was a wee lad to, you know, now he's, well, not a wee lad. But... <laughs> But anyway, my guest today is Amy. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Jack. Uh, thanks for coming on. You know, just might as well throw it out here. As is often the case with my guest, Amy is somebody that I've known for quite a while. <laughs> we went to the amazing Jarman Junior High together. We back did. In the day. And then she like up and left us and like moved to Ulcer, some strange place like that, because her parents didn't care about her having to leave her friends and how that might affect us. That was rude of them. I'll never forgive them for that, Amy. I'll never forgive them. <laughs> so uh, first of all, thanks for coming on again. I appreciate that. So let's just sort of get into this. How old was, was your son when he was diagnosed, or at least you started to believe that ADHD was an issue for him? How has it affected him in school thus far and does he have like any sort of coping skills or hacks that he uses that you're aware of or anything like that and floor is yours all right so um roman is now 17 uh, he's a junior at choctaw and he i would say the first conversation we had about him having adhd was in kindergarten um, okay his, um, I had probably every single one of his elementary teachers um, want to talk to me about it. And um, I was a stubborn mom. So not that I didn't believe it, but I, I I didn't want to medicate him. And we can talk about that a little more detail, but just to kind of give okay. you the basis yeah. now. So he was doing fine in school. Um, there were some behavior issues, but as far as academically, he was fine. And in my mind, that was what we needed and that was okay. And so that's kind of what we stuck with. Um, once he hit middle school, we started to, it started to cause more issues for him. And it started um, to definitely, well, it is it, anxiety and um, he didn't enjoy school anymore. And I mean, it was it, it was pretty all encompassing. And so we had to make a lot, a lot of different changes. So middle school for the diagnosis and then um, freshman year is when we started medication. And then 
the the difference in him it, it was immediate and it was huge it was huge okay. um, definitely definitely hurt this mama's heart um, that I had waited so long and that I um, I let some of the beliefs I had otherwise about things step in and not get him the help that he needed as early as he needed it so that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk is if there's anybody that right. can learn for our state um, I would way rather than learn early than late like I did. Well, if it makes you feel any better, um, my youngest child, uh, M, she has ADHD. And she is just the younger girl version of me. And I don't know how we didn't realize until she was like 19 that she had ADHD as well. Because <laughs> it should have been like so obvious because she's just me, <laughs> personality wise. And I, And it's like, how did we miss that? So don't feel bad about the, you know, not wanting to medicate. And I can understand them why you don't want to, because a lot of people feel like it changes, you know, the, the person sometimes not always for the, you know, the best. But at least now we're at a time where there are multiple medications. If it, if the first one doesn't work, you can, you can uh, try. So um, if you want to go into a little uh, deeper detail about the medicated medication part, go for it. Yeah. So. Man, it was, um, you know, all things with our kids living through COVID um, was, and COVID was just hard. It was hard on the kids. And with Roe, you know, it, it, it was that transition. His eighth grade, the end of middle school, they lost the very end of the year. And so he went into high school as a freshman with during COVID. Um, so he didn't didn't even have time to get his feet underneath him. And none of the kids did, obviously. Um, but, you know, there was there was some other things going on with him. And those kind of his stories that I'll let him tell at some point when he's ready down the road. But when we started the medication for him, like I briefly said, I mean, it, it was almost immediate, you know, and um, he he would take it. And then he just kind of looked at me and it was the awareness, I guess that when he could slow his brain down right. and and could actually function at this different level. And he was, you know, I mean, he was kind of shocked. I, I thought of it to me, it's kind of the same story as the babies that get the ocular implants and the first time they hear their mom's right, voice. Right. It was that same kind of situation for him. And all of a sudden, you know, he's he's wicked smart and he just, he didn't enjoy school. He never learned to love to read because it was hard for him because, you know, he, he, he could just couldn't focus on it. So once we had that medication for him, it really, it opened up all of these new avenues, all of these things he wanted to pursue. So he'd always wanted to play music. Well, he couldn't sit down long enough to get through anything. You know, now he's on mm -hmm. his keyboard, you know, well, he's a busy kid, but when he has time, he's learning music and he's just doing all these things that he never was able to do before it, it's really kind of opened this whole world up for him and given him you know I mean just more options another I don't want to say it's a skill set but it was just something he was missing right and right. Um, to see the changes in him are big so I know some kids they don't take um, their meds over summer break or some don't take them on the weekend and Roman is a seven day a week all the time um, he likes his meds um, because even on his days off, you know, he's a big gamer and it it still allows him to be able to do that and then to enjoy mm -hmm. it. So 
I've just seen, and, and there's maturity happening at the same time, but I've just been able to watch, just been able to watch him blossom. Um, I feel like he's so much less angry and mm-hmm. it just, man, I mean, it, it, it really, it impacted every facet of his life. If we really think about it, I mean, it was, it was huge. And um, because of the type um, of meds that we have him on, his was really pretty immediate too. There was no buildup in the system. So it's been, um, it's, it's been a really eye-opening change, I guess. And as a mom, Mm -hmm. you know, who is neurotypical, didn't get it. So being able to see it now is a big deal. (laughs) Right. I, I liked your uh, analogy of someone getting an ocular implant implant and starting, you know, to hear sound for the, for the first time that I like that. I've never had anyone explain it, you know, when somebody gets on medication like that. So I'm going to steal that from you. Uh, perhaps in, in future interviews, I'm I'm not going to pay you for it because I'm flat out <laughs> stealing it. <laughs> yeah, my wife is the only neurotypical in my household, so I don't know if that qualifies her for some sort of award because she just gets it from us at all angles. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, in your case, it's obviously I know that you you know you love your son and everything like that but because the way our brains work is so like foreign it's hard sometimes to comprehend just sort of how fast or you know odd or the leaps that our mind makes and it can be hard to hard to catch up with and better late than never right (laughs) i mean but it's good that it's that it's it's in the system now because when he goes to higher ed you know, undergraduate school, and if he chooses to, you know, get a master's and do whatever. Um, several of the people that I have spoken with have talked about how they didn't get diagnosed and get on medication until they were in higher ed, and that it made such a big difference from that point going forward. So he's going to start, you know, going into it and not have that lag time of he's amassing thousands of dollars of student loans and he can't focus. So, <laughs> so you know, I, I applaud you for whenever you did it you did it and that's the good thing and don't feel bad about waiting because you know sometimes you don't necessarily want to medicate for something so i I'm... <laughs> well and we did you know i'll tell you and we started early and it, it cut some of it came from some teachers that were helpful to us too but you know we had lots of strategies for him i uh i was laughing earlier when i was kind of you know thinking about things ahead of time for the podcast but i thought oh my gosh we were like the, we should have been in trouble all the time for all the contraband that I sent him to school with. So we tried something different all the time. Um, sometimes it was like little match bo- matchbox cars. We put those in his pocket because he could sit there during class and roll the wheels and they didn't make enough noise to bother anyone, but it kind of gave right. him something to do. And, you know, we were always rocks or coins or just whatever it was that he could find that was giving him um, you know, we do that. We had some teachers that would let him stand up. He could, he would sit in the back of the room or he'd sit on the very side of the room. He's really tall. So they wanted him in the back anyways, but they'd let him get up and stand on the side, you know, so he could mm-hmm. move a little bit and just to be able to focus some of that energy, even just standing seemed to really help him. So, you know, like I said, we had, we had strategies and we had teachers that were helpful. We had teachers that were extremely not helpful too. Um, but for the most part, they were. So again, we didn't have the diagnosis, but it wasn't something I would have argued, you know, like I believed it. 
Right. Um, but I also can't tell you at that point, and I don't know when I became aware, but I wouldn't have, I, I didn't realize then that you would have considered it neurodivergent, you know, like, I don't know exactly what I thought it was or why, or, you know, that mm-hmm. whole process, right. but, and, and I, and I didn't, I hadn't done enough research either to know, to try to understand what was actually happening in his head. So for Roman, he'll tell you, he calls it chaos. It's chaotic is what right. he feels like it is um, when he's unmedicated. There's just too much happening in there for him to keep up with it. I can understand that and sympathize. So over the course of doing this, I have decided that I prefer the term neurospicy. So if that's something <laughs> that you would like to start using from this point forth, feel I free. Like that's it. not my term, um, but I I have stolen it, much like I'm going to steal yours, <laughs> your analogy from earlier. And the other thing, I haven't got it yet. My wife has ordered them. There's, you know, the fidget spinners that are for, that they have. So there's, it's like that, but it's a, it's like a thing you put on the back of your phone. What is it? The the pop, whatever. Pop-ups. Thank you. It's like that, but you put it on there and it has different textures and stuff on it. So if you have ADHD, it acts like a fidget spinner. So it's like a maze or something that as you're sitting there, you can run your finger over and go through it. So it does that same purpose. So when mine comes in, this will be recorded. So hopefully I'll remember. And if I don't, (laughs) message me. Um, If it works, I will have my wife give me the link for it so that you can have it, because that might be something that would be helpful for him going forward in uh, school. Yeah, that'd be great. So I don't I don't know if it works yet. It's a great experiment, but she's got it for all of us. And then. I guess she's going to try it too and see if it calms neurotypical people down. You strangers with your weird brains that work perfectly. So let me ask you this. Does Roman hate math? He did. Until he was medicated. Yep. Yep. Uh, And now he loves it. Absolutely loves it. He's actually considering engineering. When you talked earlier about some people not being medicated or even diagnosed until um, college, higher education, I really don't know that we would have got to higher education had we not decided to change some things up and to look into medication for him. He was just that frustrated. Um, you know, he school was fairly easy for him too. And so right. then he doesn't even, you know, like I get, well, you know way better than I do, but I think because it was easy and he didn't have to focus so much, but then he didn't really have the focus, you know, that it just, it just wasn't fun. He didn't enjoy it. He felt like it was a total waste of time. He came in right. more than once saying that he was going to be a podcaster just like you, and he was going to make millions of dollars, and he didn't need school. Well, if he, he can if he can make millions of dollars, he needs to tell me how to do that, because if there's one thing that I would enjoy being, it's a millionaire. It's a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would even be satisfied with a hundred thousandaire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was just he was anything he could say to try to convince me that he didn't need to finish school like he was <laughs> done. Yeah, yeah. No, I can understand that. And I do feel with a lot of people that deal with ADHD that I think we tend to be pretty clever <laughs> people. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain point to where we can just sort of skate by <laughs> because we can pick enough up. And then there's a point where. Now it's beyond that part and then it gets hard, but because 
we never like actually learn to focus or study and we can't focus and stuff like that, it does get even harder. And then another part of uh, ADHD is when you know that you have a task or something that you have to do, but it can take a while, you can get overwhelmed with just the thought of doing it because our executive function works a little differently. And so what happens is you're, you know, you got to do the thing, but doing the thing is so overwhelming and you don't know what point do I start at doing the thing. And so what happens is you just don't do the thing. And so I imagine with schoolwork, some of that was probably what was going on uh, with him. <laughs> it, yeah. you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if that was uh, the case. Yeah. Um, and this mom had already learned too the projects, like we had to start them early and I had to help and not, Lord, don't get me wrong. He didn't want me actually doing anything, right. right? It's not about me really helping, but I have to be in the room. I have to coexist. I have to be able to maybe direct or redirect a little bit or just to bounce ideas off of. Didn't really want my opinion though. So I don't think that's really... <laughs> <laughs> right. We're bouncing back at him. <laughs> but yeah, but we already knew that with projects with him that it was, they were overwhelming for him and we had to be able to break them down and and there was no starting if I didn't help the start happen. I I understand that as well. M, aside from ADHD, also has OCD, but hers is colors. So she she likes to have all of her colors together. So like all of her blue shirts and then her red shirts and then her purple shirts, they all have to be like that. And so we discovered somewhere when she was about age six that if we wanted her to clean her room, we couldn't say, go clean your room. We would say, go pick up and put away five blue toys. And so she could go and do it that way. And that was sort of how we got over the you know, the needing to start and being overwhelmed, which once again, duh, more on me. I was sort of similar like that. <laughs> How did I not know? Well, I guess I'm a moron. I don't know. Well, but I think sometimes we think that it's just that they don't want to, you know, when right. a six-year-old doesn't want to clean their room. As a parent, you're like, you know, they're just, they're just being ornery or they're fighting back or they'd rather play than clean. You know, we don't, I didn't see past and really see what some of it was. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I applaud you guys too because when you make when you make cleaning a game, you you win. <laughs> <laughs> right. I I need to remind myself of that for me. Maybe I need to start doing that for me. Actually, my wife will she'll like walk into something and all of a sudden she'll be like, oh crap, he's in an ADHD cleaning mode because I I like go like straight from the beginning and it's a giant disaster and eight hours later and I'm exhausted and then Sunday rolls around and I just am like oh, god why did I do that but <laughs> um that'll probably happen well no he's medicated maybe he will avoid that <laughs> but um <laughs> so did um was Roman in any sort of sports or extracurriculars do I remember him doing like school plays or something or yeah. am I confusing another Amy no, that's him. Okay. Um, little, we tried all kinds of sports. His dad is um, six four. Uh, Roman's almost there, but we knew he was going to be big. So his dad was all about the sports, and Roman hated them all. And we tried them all. Um, so he, we got pretty big pushback, and so mom finally said, 
this is torture for all of us. There is no point in keeping this up. So we stopped that. But he started, well, as soon as we moved back here, um, he got involved with the drama department. They did a district-wide musical. They did Annie when he was in, I can't remember, third grade or fifth grade now. We just got back. But anyway, so he got involved with the drama department then, and he's been doing, oh, he's been in the film. He's been in um, the drama stuff. He's done speed. He's kind of done a little of all of it, but that is his passion. And and that's where his focus has been. A lot of ADHDers, we have horrible memories. Does that affect his ability to memorize his lines? No, he's really, really good at that. Um, His freshman year, kind of when all of this was coming to a head, even he had the lead in the freshman play and had to memorize what I felt was an obscene number of lines. um, And he did. And and he's always had a really good memory, though. Um, You know, when he was little in preschool, the teachers would always be frustrated because when they do circle time, he would never sit in the circle and listen to the book with them. He'd always stand in the back or do kind of something else. But Mm -hmm. when they start asking the questions, he always had all the answers. And they were like, he's not even paying attention, but he knows all the answers, you know? So Mm -hmm. another clue that he needed to keep his hands busy and his little body moving, but his brain was going and he was listening and paying attention that whole time. So the memory for him, and I don't, the memory's been good for him. It's actually been a positive. Well, that's, that's good. Um, obviously, this is something that he would answer, but you would probably be on the other receiving end of this. And this is something that I've asked everybody um, thus far. So say you guys are having a conversation Friday night, you know, you were doing whatever, you're driving, you went to Freddy's to get a frozen custard and you're driving back and he's telling you a b and c you get he gets a and b out but in the course of the conversation he never gets to c okay okay so if it's sunday at 5 30 does he all of a sudden come walking into you and just start talking as if the 48 hours in between didn't happen and he just picks up the conversation and you're just looking at him like what are you talking about? But in his mind, the 48 hours in between hasn't happened. Is that something that occurs with you guys? Absolutely. And his favorite thing to do when he picks that stuff up, I think maybe because of the blank look on my face is then he starts quizzing me. And so he's asking me what I remember or don't remember because he wants to know what I listened to or didn't because he is really sure that I just didn't pay attention to the conversation. But yeah, his, his come with quizzes. All right. No, I'm including myself. We're now nine for nine. So <laughs> that is, uh, I'm discovering that that apparently is typical with us. Um, yeah. So you're in good company. My wife frequently <laughs> looks at me like, what are you talking about? And then she's I like, need someone to tell him that that happened. So he quits thinking that it's me just not listening to him because he's just dead set that I'm not paying attention. <laughs> well, he, he can listen to the podcast when it, when it goes live in, in April. <laughs> but um, now this one I'm going to ask, but I you may not necessarily know the answer uh, for this one, but this is something that I have also discovered seems to affect us. Say you're at a Christmas party. It's a lovely open concept house, which I'm sure you've sold many of. And he's having a conversation in the kitchen with, I don't know, Clyde. 
but you know it's a christmas party and there are like 30 people there so there are you know 12 other conversations going on does he have a hard time focusing on clyde because his mind is actually focusing on three other conversations taking place in the room maybe one completely opposite is that something that you know if he has an issue with um that one's a little tougher for me to really answer i can tell you that he does not like busy rooms with multiple conversations um, he would rather put in a headphone, at least one, two, if I would let him, um, and kind of get rid of it. The multiple conversations around him um, make him anxious. So even classes that, you know, when they finish right. the work and everyone starts talking in a class, that's something that's always been super frustrating for him. So I don't know. I mean, maybe because he that doesn't have conversation very often when there's a lot of people around. He will talk to you one-on-one -on -one forever. Um, right. But if there's a lot else going on, then he doesn't really engage much. So that could absolutely be fine. Yeah, that that could be why, because so far, all of us, that is an issue that we have. That for whatever reason, our brain can't focus on Clyde. It focuses on, you know, all these other conversations that are going on. And in fact, uh, one of the people said that she occasionally will answer questions from other people across the room. And so that could be why he gets anxious in that in those situations is because that's what's going on. And yeah. then uh, the second part of that is if you are in a situation like that Christmas party, cause that's in my life when they tend to happen the most, your birthday or something like that. Does he just seem like really, really tired mentally afterwards? That's why. Cause sometimes you end up focusing so much on the person in front of you. that then you focus on focusing. <laughs> You're like, have to listen, have to listen, have to listen, have to listen. What did they just say? Yeah. <laughs> and so when you leave, because you spent all of this time, like focusing on trying to shut the other conversations out and doing that, but you do it, you know, two or three hours. And so you leave and you're just tired. So it sounds like maybe he has, has some of that going on and, um, I don't know if this was something that you even knew that happens to those of us with ADHD, but now that you sort of know, maybe you can, I don't know what, I don't know what you would do going forward. Tell everyone to shut up. I don't know, <laughs> but it's something, you know, now maybe so. Yeah. And maybe we can talk about ways to cope and work through that and to help him with it. So yeah, that may just be something that he's not even fully realized why it's so overwhelming for him. So that's a, I just made a note of it <laughs> so we can talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's It's been interesting doing this. I've discovered that, one, everybody ADHD is completely unique to them. But there are all of these things that it seems like we all have issues with. Does he have, like, tactile issues? Mm -hmm. Are certain materials annoying for him when some are okay? Yeah, absolutely. He's um, he can't be wet. So like he doesn't really like to swim. But if we do like he has to the minute he's out of the water, he has to change clothes, can't handle wet clothes. He is very it's a little better with his clothes, but it was always a big deal. If you brought something home that he didn't like how it felt, he wasn't ever going to wear it. Just not going to happen. Socks. We buy the same pair of socks in like 80 different packages because we don't want to mess up and get any different socks. So yes, absolutely. The sensory issues are big for him. 
We we had many a many a issue with M because she did not like socks that, as she referred to them, that were furry on the inside. They had to be smooth. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you mentioned the socks, I'm like, I've had that argument. I've <laughs> been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then of course, because she was the youngest, and there's a nine year age gap between our oldest and her. By the time we got to her, we just didn't care as long as she had clothing on. We didn't give a crap. We're like, okay, we're leaving. I have middle of June been walking through the grocery store with her wearing her Halloween costume from the year before because it was not worth the argument. And I, there was a point where it's like, you know what? I don't care if her socks match. She's wearing socks. That, <laughs> that's all. Not that that's you know necessarily well the sock part was, but that was just a weird thing that you just made me think of and i side quested again so it's just something i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it <laughs> but yeah no the that's another thing that i've sort of discovered is a good portion seem to have with uh certain you know textures or whatever have issues with and some absolutely it doesn't bother them at all so I, this this might be a question you don't want to ask because adhd is often hereditary so does his father have it or do you suspect that he might well by the time i was doing my research and realized that it was hereditary and those things um it's not something that ever stuck out to me or i really did think i know that he struggled in high school and cut a lot of class and didn't want to be there um at the time i kind of blamed it on his dad was military so he moved around so much and i just kind of figured he just you know didn't fit in or have a group and feel comfortable um but maybe that could be but if he does it's it's pretty mild now i can tell you as an adult my sister has been diagnosed okay um, so it could be there so what about your parents any suspicion with either of them I really i really don't <laughs> uh, now my mother does love her colors sorted and you know she has some things that maybe but and maybe because it's ADD and not ADHD. And I think that maybe we don't or I don't understand the differences well enough that sometimes, you know, we look at it differently. Um, but no, it's not something we've ever discussed. She'd probably think I was crazy that I even. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then, then we go to grandparents and and no. Um, honestly, not even I'm trying to think even through cousins. And as there's a lot more cousins on his dad's side. Yeah, I don't know if anybody else has been diagnosed or not. Hmm. Okay, you know, it's just something that I figured I would ask since, you know, you blocked out all this time to hang no, out I with me on my podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, of course, the older you are, the less likely you were to have been diagnosed because, quite frankly, it wasn't even a thing. Um, in the 70s, when I was diagnosed, it wasn't called ADD or ADHD. It was just hyperactivity. And um, oh, my poor mom, I, I was quite the, the, the dynamo of energy, which I believe is why I have none now. I used it all up before I was 20. <laughs> I, I depleted my batteries and they're just dead now. Um, so obviously, I do know people that, um, well... Our parents are all boomers, 
you know, older in life as boomers have realized, holy crap, I have this. And they kind of have been diagnosed with it. But their parents, especially, you know, there's just no way. And I just can't imagine somebody <laughs> that age that it, you would have to have been like 85. And you're like, oh, my God, I think I have ADHD. And at that point, what's the, you know, the point? You're going to do I mean, 90 and be like, I think I need to be on Ritalin. <laughs> it would be kind of funny. Um, um, so is there any, um, I'm just, I'm trying to think how to word, word it. Sometimes my brain is glitching. So just like as your mom or as your mom, as his mom, you know, what sort of things, cause you know, you've mentioned you, you always made sure you had something to fidget with at school or anything like that. Um, was there any, just any other things that you guys did or have done and also is there any uh advice or thoughts that you would just like to share with anybody you know who's listening to this who thinks oh my kid might have that or their kid does well that was a big one that's a big yeah, question sorry <laughs> well sometimes you know <laughs> so you know strategies i was kind of thinking about that earlier too um he absolutely thrives in routines so that was something that we were really cautious of. Um, he and I both need our sleep um, and mm -hmm. a fair amount of sleep. We are not we are not seven, six, seven hours a night people. Um, so we did learn that. And so we've um, I, I still probably manage to sleep more than most moms do at his at, with kids that age. But I know that it does help him regulate and be able to handle the next day. Um, I also kind of what you talked about with the Christmas party, now that we're thinking about it, I did realize that he needed down days. So, um, like we took a family vacation to Hawaii and there were 15 of us and mm -hmm. I had to make sure some of those days when everyone went on excursions that it just bro and I stayed back at the condo for ourselves. And just the two of us had to have at least afternoon here and there to have time for him to have downtime. He, he doesn't, he doesn't share room well or share space well, um, just because he does, he needs that recharge and being an only child, it's been easier for him to grab it. So when we're in groups, right. we definitely have to keep that in mind with him. I'm trying to think what else we, um, you know, sleepovers. I was pretty cautious about who came or where he went on sleepovers. Um, kind of for that same reason, they were, they were kind of tough for him, um, for a long time too. If we go to my advice for moms, um, you know, he's my only and kind of the one advice that I give any mom, not even just if you're thinking about the ADD, but is to listen to your gut and just to really listen to your gut. Um, there were, you know, several times when he was younger and not related to this about things that, you know, you just know something's off, but the doctor says this, or they say this. And so you just kind of take it. And I didn't, I didn't fight back. Like I wish I would have, or push the issue. Like I wish I would have. So for this, you know, and, and not just to get the diagnosis and to get medication, but I say push back with the teachers too, and, you know, help in accommodations or whatever it is that you need. Um, we never did, you know, the 504 plan or the IE, IEP with Roman. Um, but if your child needs one, um, the schools, they're not, they don't love to do it. They don't want to. Um, so you kind of have to fight a little bit for it. So 
And I just think that's my biggest advice is when you feel like something's off or you feel like they're not getting something they need, you are their advocate. And I just tell you to be as loud as you have to be and fight as hard as you have to fight to get what it is that they need. You know, um, you know, he had, you know, a couple of teachers. I mean, they didn't want him to be able to stand up on the side of the room. And I hate the um, militaristic nature of our schools now. Um, I get why they do it. I'm not anti-teacher, anti-public school at all. I think they've been hamstrung in a bad way. But I just, you know, like I said, there's 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 accommodations that they can make and you need to. You need to be the advocate and do what it is that your child needs. Right, right. One thing I've discovered is that, because you know, there's the American with Americans with Disabilities Act, but a lot of times, sort of mental type things aren't considered on that list. And ADHD certainly isn't one where someone is legally required to give you some sort of accommodation. Mm-hmm. So I do know that, you know, in a school situation, it can be can be hard especially sort of the higher up you go um but i've always found it weird because it seems to me that if you have a kid that is disruptive because they can't stop talking but if they can stand up and you know have a fidget spinner or a car and they're quiet and they pay attention to me that would be you know the path of least resistance (laughs) why wouldn't you want to do that (laughs) other than you don't want someone to think well now i'm going to have a whole class of kids standing up well there's a good chance you probably have several kids in the class that have ADHD <laughs> and it, it's going to happen. <laughs> and and I just don't understand that why you wouldn't want to make the class quieter if they're disruptive. I, I totally, totally agree. And I think there's, um, I think there's a lot of little things, but again, like I said, it's, it's this military thing, you know, where everyone has to do the same thing to me. Um, and I was just thinking about it, you know, we've cut recess, so our ADD kids, especially ADHD, they need that time. Um, they can't talk at lunch, you know, in elementary school and even in middle school to a point. Um, you know, there's just, I mean, I don't I don't remember. How long do you think we had to change classes when we were at Jarman? Yeah, maybe four minutes. Yeah, well, and uh, that's, that's what they have at the middle school now. But, you know, the middle school is twice the size that Jarman was. You know, we, we could get to any point. You know, so they can't talk at the lockers in the hall and they can't, you know, and I just, again, I know why the teachers do it and you got to keep some order and you got to keep everything moving. But I also think that it really, it hamstrings our kids and um, especially our boys. I think our boys get a rough, you know, they just, they don't sit as still as the girls. Their minds don't work the same, especially in those really, really young, tender ages. And so I think they get labeled pretty early sometimes as troublemakers and and different things that I don't I don't think deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Girls definitely present differently with ADHD. That's one thing I have discovered as I as I've done this. But when they're younger, I think when we get older, we all tend to sort of do the same type, similar things. But yeah, I. Not talking in between classes, you're going to the next class seems a little off to me. I mean, how can were you just supposed to just zombie-esque walk to the next class? How that just seems yeah. crazy. Well, and at lunch, you know, and they say, you know, it's too loud, and so they can't hear the kids that are still ordering, or if they start talking in between classes, then they end up late to class. And I know all these things are supposed to be preventative, but in my mind, I just 
it just felt so rigid. And, and I don't know if you feel the same, but like Roman, the tighter you squeeze him and the more you try to put him in a box, physically, mentally, whatever, the more he's going to rebel, right? Like don't, mm-hmm. don't make him feel scrunched in. And so some of that, if they had just, you know, been able to or whatever, you know, right. for a minute in the hall, it could have made for a different class afterwards. Yeah. One of the things I've sort of also realized as I've been doing this is that I think one of the worst things that you can put on a kid's report card, especially in elementary school, is does not live up to potential. Because I kind of realized, you know, that really kind of had a negative impact on me every nine weeks getting a thing that said, I do not live up to my potential or some variation of that. And I've kind of decided that that probably should stop. (laughs) Not just because it does affect the kid's self-esteem. You know, honestly, who knows what someone's you know full potential is. And I understand it's because you see a kid, you know, they seem to be clever, they seem to be able to pick up on stuff, but they can't turn their homework in or they can't stop talking. And but it does have an impact on the kid. And plus plus uh ADHD often goes hand in hand with uh, depression and anxiety. So when you get that type of stuff, you're just sort of feeding into that cycle. And it sounds like that was probably some issues that you guys dealt with when he was younger as well, uh, if you want to elaborate on that or not. Yeah, I don't think that, um, you know, like I said, his report cards were really good, um, especially I'm thinking elementary right now, I guess. Um, He, well, you know, okay, actually, so we can think middle school here. And he did. He had a teacher that was always so frustrated with him and just everything she would say. And it just, and, you know, like he almost felt bullied by a teacher. Mm. And, and, and I don't think that that was necessarily what she was doing. It's just, you can't argue back. You can't justify yourself. You can't explain. You just have to take what she says. And quite often it was in front of the class. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, also yeah. feeding depression and anxiety. At 100%, <laughs> right? I mean, that's kind of when, I mean, we, in, well, that was sixth grade and seventh grade, we pulled him out of school and he homeschooled for a year. Um, he did Epic online after that year because it was so rough on him. Um, so, I mean, yeah, definitely. You know, what our, what our teachers say, I mean, it's just like what your parents say, you know, whatever you hear, I mean, it becomes your internal monologue, right? It becomes right. that. That those repeating and I can only imagine in an ADD mind, you know, if, if those are louder or more yeah. uh, of prevalence, the word, but, you know, harder to block them out possibly. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, one of my things that I've learned and somehow I wish that it was, it was more common, but we just got to ask like for you, instead of saying that you weren't living up to potential, like why did nobody ask you, what do you need? Right to right. live up to your potential, or what do you need mm-hmm. to turn in your work? You know, um, right? Kids are wicked smart, right? And they know a whole lot more about themselves and understand a whole lot more than we give them credit for. Is there anything that you would like to ask me about what it's like, or anything that I might be able to help you with as a fifty-year-old dude with a severe inability to focus or over-focusing because I hyper-focus? Oh. So what would I want to know? Did you feel or do you, but especially like thinking back high school-ish, 
I feel like sometimes Roman is aware that he is different and it keeps him from bonding with people like I wish he would. Was that yes. a struggle for you? Yes. I actually, um, are you a Pink Floyd fan by any chance? Not particularly. Okay. I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. And I always had what I sort of considered to be, uh, it's a lyric from a song, but I always felt like it described me. And the lyric was was to a bandmate that had some mental health issues. But the lyric is, well, you wore out your welcome with random precision. And I've always felt like that was me. And that, like I heard that song, I'm like, oh, wow, that's like totally how I always feel. And it took, you know, a musician to put it into words for me. And then, so I have felt that way a lot, but at the same time, um, and this is also something I've sort of discovered, people with ADHD, when you're like friends with somebody, you're friends with them. And because we have this sort of time, an awareness sort of thing that's going on, right? If I'm friends with you and we don't talk for six months, in my mind, we're still friends. And it's not because like I've been a jerk or whatever. And I know that to a neurotypical person, it can be weird that the other person is acting as if these six months didn't go by. But to me, it's like, well, we're friends. So what does it matter if we haven't spoken in this <laughs> amount of time? And, you know, be like, well, you haven't spoke to me in a year. And I'm like, really? It's been that long? It just seems like it was just the other day. And I realize now that that has to be somewhat frustrating for, you know, the neurotypical person. <laughs> so I don't know if that answered your question the way you wanted it to or not. <laughs> But I could see where if that's an issue that he has on why that would be, because I've also sort of discovered that it's typical to kind of feel slightly out of place. And I think it's because the world's just not designed for us. And even like a lot of societal norms aren't necessarily designed for us. Because I, I realize now that maybe it isn't natural to be friends with somebody and not talk to them and seven months and then real thick oh hey and just act like no time has gone by that has to be weird for you strangers with the weird <laughs> optimally functioning you know typical brain so yeah I, I don't know if that helps I hope it does yeah I I just I think he's well liked and but he just doesn't he just doesn't seem to like super bond. Like he just doesn't want any, I guess he doesn't want anyone all up in his business. Maybe is what right. it is. Yeah. You know? Like I'm yeah. great to be friends from afar, but I don't need you over at my house all the time. And, you know, I was such a social butterfly and had, you know, so many friends all around all the time. And it was, you know, I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> and he just, he's just so different with it. So I was just curious about that. Well, let me ask one more question. Cause we are, sort of getting to the close here typically we hyper focus on stuff and we tend to go from liking something oh this is interesting and we'll spend all of this time reading about it learning everything about it focused on it and then it's like you reach this pinnacle of oh well i've learned everything about it it's boring now and then you switch to the other thing and then it's like continually moving which at my age has meant that I have had an, an awful lot of hobbies and then I, I get bored with them and then I stop. Some have, you know, stuck with me. Does he tend to hyper fixate on subjects? Because you would be the one that 
he would share all of the information that he has learned, probably boring you to tears with some of the stuff that he is hyper-focused on. Is that something he has done or does? 100% and always, always has. That whatever it is, and yes, I'm immersed in it myself and he wants all the stuff and all that just, it's all he kind of eats and breathes for a while. And then he does, it's over and done. And he's moved on to the next thing. Not everything. Yeah. Some of it's stuck, but yeah, he does. He moves, he moves on, on to the next thing. Well, if you feel comfortable sharing, what is the strangest thing he has ever hyper fixated on? (laughs) I know that could be weird. Nala. So I think one that struck me the oddest was um, he went down this path with prosthetics Mm -hmm. and it all started, we were walking through Sam's and he saw some rail or some something and it reminded him of, I don't know, an arm. And so in his head, he's drawing out all these different prosthetics, I can't say that word. And so then we went to eat and then he's literally drawing this stuff out. And I mean, it's just coming out of him in volumes. And I mean, you could tell his mind was just like, Oh my gosh, I could this and I could this. And so then we get home and it's YouTube and it's, you know, and he's just all about it and learning. And then I think he learned that maybe his thinking wasn't as far advanced in what was out there as he thought it was, you know, when he first saw it, that he was like, Oh, well, they're already doing this, you know? And so that one didn't last like super long, but that was one that came on like super fast. Like it was just something that clicked in his mind that day. And then that was all we did for like a week. Right. All we talked about drawings everywhere. I mean, literally he reminded me of like one of those like cartoons, you know, where they're just throwing and the, the things are just flying through the air. He's drawing it out so fast and everything. So that was a, that was a, an odd one for me, I think. The- mm-hmm. Well, the cool thing about that is if he wants to go into engineering, people that design prosthetics all have engineering degrees, number one. Number two, Oklahoma City is the home of one of the world's most advanced prosthetic companies in the world, Sabalich. And if that is something that he's still in any way, shape, or form slightly interested in, I have a feeling that over the summer, you could probably arrange to have him go and talk to somebody there. Hmm. Um, That's I a great idea. I I actually think that that probably is something that you know you at least have a fifty percent chance of making happen. You know, and if you ask, the worst that you can be told is no. I don't like that word. <laughs> but right, I'm in right. Sales. <laughs> I don't like that word. <laughs> but no, yeah, I think that's a great idea. We'll have to kind of dig into that this summer and see. I hope that maybe through our conversation, it has, I don't know, maybe shed some light on on the inner workings of your your ADHD-riddled child. And not that you weren't concerned or caring or anything like that, but sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And with his age, it might be hard to vocalize or to express certain things that are going on. And maybe talking to, you know, Someone my age who just no longer cares, (laughs) you know, what people think about my ADHD. Maybe that was helpful too. So I hope it was. It was. And I liked hearing um, what you said, like common themes when you're talking to other people are. Um, I I find that helpful, helpful Mm. too. And and just an awareness for me, you know, yeah, be able to look at it a little differently for you. Yeah. Well, I'm going to call her quits here. (laughs) 
end this show. I appreciate you coming on, taking time out of your day when you could have been, I don't know, selling a house or something. Although I guess at this point it might be a little late, but <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate you uh, coming on. And yeah. um, I was going to say in the future, maybe if he, if you both wanted to come on and have a conversation later on or something like that, um, totally up to you. Not a big deal if you don't. Yeah. Anyway. I bet. Yeah. We'll, we'll be sure to listen to the episode when it comes out, but yeah, he likes, he likes to talk. So when uh, he, he may be super interested, you, you, the two of you could get down all kinds of rabbit holes together. I just hope I, you know some things about Marvel and superheroes. I do. I okay. do. That, and that is one of the things where I always know the location of in my mind. <laughs> um, a lot of my memories, uh, I joke that, remember shoots and ladders boards? So like, I don't store information like a filing room full of filing cabinets and I can go and open it up. I have a filing room with filing cabinets, but it's not one big room. It's spread out and I have to climb up the ladder and then go down the chute to find that item. The problem is my chutes are moving around like the stairways in Hogwarts. That's a great analogy. So it it can be hard sometimes to find what I need, but there are certain subjects that I always know where they are and it doesn't move. Star Wars, superheroes, songs, music lyrics, you know, the important things that really <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> really make life, <laughs> you know easy on you like the ability to do taxes or something like that you know <laughs> so i definitely sympathize with your son if his brain operates like mine and so far i've discovered that seems to be the the case with a lot of us um, <laughs> so yeah actually the third interview i did with cody uh, it was over an hour but i think we only actually talked about adhd for like 20, 25 minutes. The rest of the time we were just side questing. <laughs> <laughs> but but we decided it was a good example for our neurotypicals in our life to understand what it's like. <laughs> yeah, us. I can't wait to do the shoots and ladders with him. He's gonna that's gonna be a good one. <laughs> so anyway, I appreciate you coming on. It's been great talking to you. And I'm gonna sign off as I always do. Uh, remember, everybody, try to live your life in a way that would make Bob Ross proud. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. If you could please like, follow, subscribe, or rate, that would really help us out in the algorithm of the platform you use, and it would put us in their recommended feed, which would help grow our audience. I absolutely love podcasting, but it does come with some monthly expenses. And if helping us out is something that you would like to do, you can do so. You can go over to buymeacoffee.com backslash hyperfocuspods, and you can do either a one-time amount or you can do a monthly subscription if you want to. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it.